0: you listening to Tatiana is Everyone, an Orphan Black podcast. I'm your host. My name is Chris.
1: And my name is Stephanie. And we have a, inarguably, right, spoiler-free episode.
0: <laughs> <laughs> uh, we will say that, uh, you know, if you've seen episode 301, yes, spoiler-free. Okay. No spoilers for future episodes in this episode of the podcast. Episode, episode, episode,
1: episode, episode. Thank you. And we are talking about the season three premiere of Orphan Black... The Weight of This Combination. Chris is in charge of this week's episode. I'll be in charge of next week's title. So do we want to... We'll see. We'll we see. Do we want to... <laughs> do we want to just dive in and talk about the title? Uh, sure. Okay.
0: A quick Google search. This was... I, I fortunately looked it up before the episode aired, so only half of the initial results were orphan plaque. The other half was divided between a speech given by Eisenhower and... Like a, a science text from I think 1854. And so the Eisenhower
1: speech, it's his farewell speech, his farewell address, which he delivered in nineteen sixty one on January seventeenth, is the final public speech that he made. And the the phrase in the context in the Eisenhower speech is he's talking about Only an alert and knowledgeable citizenry can compel the proper meshing of the huge industrial and military machinery of defense with our peaceful methods and goals so that security and liberty may prosper together.
0: Ew. Ew.
1: So I do think they might be referencing Eisenhower here and not a scientist. Interesting. Hmm. Though we did find, as Chris mentioned, that phrase in a science textbook. We will not read you <laughs> the context in which it comes, because the grammar is terrible. But basically... It's, it's lengthy.
0: It's it, lengthy it's is what lengthy it is. lengthy and... And a little difficult to understand. Poorly
1: written. But it's talking about t- trying to... When you have, like, two substances that have combined, adding, like, introducing a third substance in order to measure the weight of the first two substances by basically doing some subtractions, and, oh, this combined with this weighs this much, and this combined with this weighs this much, and we know these all combined together weigh this much, so therefore, etc. So it's about extrapolating. So therefore, now you're confused. Yeah. So it's about extrapolating the weight of two original substances by adding a third substance less applicable to this
0: episode than the Eisenhower speech, I feel like. Yeah, Yeah. I I agree. Yeah. Although I did comment that the the adding a third thing and talking about the original things somehow made me think about the big clone scene where you've got clone A and clone B and clone three. I know what I just did. I'm (laughs) doing it intentionally. Which, that's a, that's fair, that's fair, but
1: it's, it's a little less, less a direct reference than, than right. The Eisenhower thing. Right. So I, I'm curious, though, what the rest of the episode titles are now going to be, if they're not choosing a particular scientist this season. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. We'll have to see. Stay
0: tuned. <laughs> because you know we're going to talk about it. Yes. So.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So hopefully you listen to our short episode that we released earlier right after the episode aired and that gave sort of our general thoughts about the episode
0: and chris is still ah did i do it (laughs) it kind of okay that that sounded a little more scared than than what it was going for but (laughs) Ah! no (laughs) i don't know i don't know anymore it's been i don't know it's too long but
1: i i'm still "Ah!" about it and let's go ahead and talk about the big thing i'm "Ah!" about which is delphine it makes me
0: sad that you're meh about it. I Well, I'm sorry.
1: I'll try. No, I mean, it's
0: okay. You yeah. feel how you feel, by yeah. all means. but And I've, all, I've, I've only watched the episode once. My feelings could change on rewatch. Or or in the context of the season. Who knows? Yes. But yeah, a, at the moment, I'm, I'm sad you won't fangirl with me. But that's okay. It's okay.
1: So Delphi, I mentioned in our short episode, I felt like they jumped into her being Rachel... a little too quickly. And I I feel like they needed a little bit more time to ease into it. But but what is your perspective on that whole thing?
0: I will agree with you in that I felt like they really needed a a bridge scene there, probably with Marion, where we see Marion shifting, essentially, authority to Delphine. I think that really would have helped. Yeah. I mean, like, it's not crucial, because they did include it in the scenes that we got that, oh, that happened. But I think it maybe would have been more effective if we'd seen it happen. Mm -hmm. Maybe with Marion, like, I need you to do this. And, you know, I know things are going to be complicated. Maybe something along those lines. Uh, We actually talked in our season three promo episode about this. We were speculating about whether or not this is what had happened. Because we saw Delphine in the promos, and that she hadn't gone to Germany. And so I think that was our conclusion was that Marion Bowles probably stopped her you know, intercepted her before she left. And uh Yeah.
1: So I can buy that. I can buy that. But yeah, I I for lack of a better let's just say this. I feel like we needed a hair straightening scene. Because you know, we have we have just this complete
0: I made a joke about that in the episode too. Okay, well, so, yeah. Marine Bowles like intercepted her on the way to the airport and directed so directed, so directed her security escort to take her to the salon instead.
1: <laughs> because you know we have we have just a complete transformation of Delphine. She's just you and know, it's like
0: twelve hours later. Or yeah, something. it's
1: not that long, right? They was, they were still doing surgery on Rachel's eye in this episode. Not that much time has elapsed, and yet, and yet. and so i feel like you know delphine should have still been curly haired you know all like heart and open heart bleeding for kasima at least at the beginning of this episode and then her hair gets straightened and she's mean and i was gonna say delphine did get darker a lot like fast pushing on rachel's eye oh my god oh my god Delphine was like Mrs. S in this episode. And Mrs. S, valiant effort, but got overpowered by the dumb caster clone.
0: Oh, that dude's toast by oh, the end of the season. Oh, I hope.
1: He's got a stupid porno mustache. He looks creepy. <laughs> You're not wrong. But- <laughs> it's a terrible mustache. Terrible.
0: But yeah, we got Delphine. Gee, Stephanie has has feelings about <laughs> appearances. I'm so shocked. <laughs> but Delphine pushing on
1: Rachel's eye to get her to talk. Oh my god. Is it wrong that I didn't hate that? Well, <laughs> clearly Rachel was pretty dang had some evil agendas going on. So, if we have any big Rachel lovers out there, I feel like I need to give you a hug cuz I want to be like, I'm sorry, that your teddy bear is, is, is pretty mean in this episode, but Rachel's mean. She's even meaner than I thought she was. Helsinki. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but I got a self-track. So back to Delphine. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, okay. I was just waiting it out. <laughs> okay, okay. So Delphine, I just, I feel like they jumped into that a little too quickly and, And I feel like they were suggesting she's not going to be in the next episode. The way she said, I'll be back. Oh. To Sarah. I'd forgotten that happened. Yeah. Because she directed somebody to send... To send, um... Ferdinand. To... Ferdinand. To Zurich. And it sounded like she was implying she might go with him. Mm. But I could be wrong. She might be back in the next episode. But But if we get, like, you know, super meanie head Delphine... In this episode, and we don't see our next episode? E. <laughs>
0: now who's making the noises? <laughs> that not <wasn't> me! <laughs> fair. fair. That's fair. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I see what you're saying, but at the same time, I kind of, I get it. You know what I mean? Like, I feel like I get where Delphine's coming from. And I may be the only one. I don't know. <laughs> but see, here's what I think is going on. Okay, go for it. I think... Delphine has had this moment, and she realizes, especially, they, they had that scene between her and Dr. Neelan, who, ew. Ew. But, uh, you know, Dr. Neelan makes that really pointed comment, basically talking about Kasima, because she's like, Dr. Neilan, I need your assurance that Project Lita comes before Topside. Mm-hmm. And, what was it that he says? Something, Something about th- not playing favorites? Yes. And... I think that was sort of one of those moments for Delphine where I think Delphine is now thinking that in order to really keep Kasima safe, she has to distance herself just because I think she knows what a precarious position she's in. Delphine knows what a precarious position she herself is in, is what I'm trying to say. And she knows what lengths Dyad will go to for whatever. If they need leverage over anybody, they'll, they'll use whoever they have to do that. So I think in Delphine's mind, she is keeping Cosima safer by putting a little bit of distance between them. Because she did say to to Cosima that, you know, I'm, I need to keep the promise I made you to keep all of you safe, to, to love all of you, keep it all safe. I don't think she actually says the keep them safe part, does she? It was implied.
1: To love you all equally. Yeah, I I can't remember
0: now. I know she says yeah to love you all equally, but – to me, the, the safety thing was implied there, yeah. right? Because mm-hmm. Dyad is very unsafe yeah. for all of the clones. And so, yeah, I'm thinking that's where Delphine's coming from, is, is a matter of – I'm not saying it's the most logical thing. I think Delphine thinks it is, though. I just
1: – because, okay, I can buy that, because I, I did scream, I don't understand why you're breaking up with Kasima at the TV screen – and that... Rather loudly. I'm sorry. And it's that, okay. you know, that helps me make sense of that moment. But I feel like Delphine was just so different from the very beginning. You know, she pops up at the beginning of the episode, and, like, I just don't quite see her getting to that dark, torturing Rachel by pressing in her injured eye place. But that worked! It did!
0: <laughs> but, like, oh... No, I know. But see, I think part of it, too, is because... Delphine also knows how, how much Dyad is into like because keeping she- an eye on everybody and everything. I think they, I think she's concerned about her position too. Cause I think Delphine knows that if she manages to keep the, this position, this is actually the best way to protect the clones. Because if she's in a position where she can keep Dyad in check, then potentially she can keep a Helsinki from happening. I think is where Delphine's coming from. So, I think she knows that she needs to get to a certain level of ruthlessness to stay in this position of power. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah, I guess in, so. in a horrible way. I but guess so.
0: But I just I feel like they rushed it. I feel like they rushed it. That's fair. But I I still think that it's it's not unreasonable to me. Okay, even if it is awfully fast.
1: Yeah. It just feels like you're having to explain a lot. And that's not always a good thing. Like, you know, in my head, I'm thinking this, 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 and this. And there could have been more of that
0: on screen. Maybe there will be later in the season. Maybe. I don't know. Maybe. But there was, you you posted a link earlier on our Facebook page to an a interview. Maxim article, which I was very worried about, but it's actually a good little interview. I was so concerned when I saw that. I was like it's <laughs> like well not concerned. Concerned is the wrong word, but Surprised. confused. Yeah. <laughs> that I was like Stephanie posted a Maxim interview. Does not compute <laughs> <laughs> But then I read it. It wasn't that bad. It was it was pretty good. And there's a great picture of Evelyn Broshew. <laughs> and now we know why Stephanie was interested. <laughs> but but yeah, in that Evelyn Brochu does talk about sort of how Delphine gets darker and more serious this season.
1: Yeah, I mean, don't get me wrong. Like after what happened to Delphine at the end of, of the second season where Rachel really manipulated her and she was left very clearly very feeling very like weak and powerless as we saw in, in both 209 where Delphine, you know, accidentally helped Rachel kidnap Kira. And then in 210 when Rachel is sending her away, to to uh to germany then i i enjoy seeing delphine sort of taking control of things a little bit i
0: was gonna say there there has very much been a theme of delphine getting used yeah in various ways so i do appreciate that too that you know now delphine is in a position of greater power at least right. um, so it would seem
1: yeah and i would love to see this type of storyline continue for her throughout the season it just felt a little rushed to me personally that's fair so let's talk about our clones, our beloved clones, who felt less the center of this episode than usual. There was a lot of Delphine here, which is okay. I like Delphine, but it's a
0: little weird for the premiere. I did oddly want to hug Delphine all episode long.
1: Yeah, I'm like oh Delphine, yeah. yeah. Oh, we didn't talk about her hair.
0: <laughs> That's right. We were going to talk about we should Curl talk about Curlgate, which in said Maxim article. Evelyn Brochu does refer to you as Curlgate.
1: Curlgate. Apparently people have been maybe freaking out a little bit about the
0: straightened hair. Anybody who has been on social media knows that to be true. Okay. I haven't seen it. Oh, really? I have not. I've been staying away from all the spoilers. That's true. That's true. Stephanie, I think, has been staying off of the Tatiana's Everyone account, but... I have. I have. People have been freaking out. And uh, I get it, but at the same time, I still like her hair. Oh, she still still looks great. Newsflash Evelyn Brochu, attractive woman. Really Like <laughs> <laughs> I hadn't noticed except that I totally had.
1: <laughs> and don't get me wrong, I, I prefer her golden magical delphine curls, but <laughs> but obviously this is this is about developing character through hair makeup wardrobe, which the show is excellent at. And because like especially if you think back to season one when she had the shorter hair, it's a very playful, more innocent look. Delphine's not at that point anymore. She's been used and and trampled on and has faced some
0: serious things. And the trampling has straightened out her hair.
1: (laughs) That's what did it. (laughs) See, really, what happened was, Marion didn't send her to the salon. She sent her to Rachel, who then just, like, stomped on her hair really hard.
0: (laughs) And Delphine said, stop, you're getting marrow in my hair. (laughs) Too soon?
1: Maybe a little too soon. I know. I know it was awful.
0: <laughs> but I said it anyway.
1: But, you know, the straightened hair, like, it, it's more professional. It's a little more no-nonsense. It's a lot less sort of... It's power hair. It's power hair. It's power hair. <laughs> That's the thing, right? It, yes. But she looks great. I, I do hope that we might see the curls later in the season. I will say that. But uh, she still looks great,
0: of course. Actually, it, since it is a character thing, I would not put it past the show to... Have her in curls by the end of the season. Yeah, but we'll see. We'll see. Curls come back. Come back, girls. <laughs> so Klum, bring
1: bring nice Delphine with you. <laughs> yes, nice Delphine. Well, Delphine can have a little bit more edge, but not. I I know. I not a was... uh, yeah, I, but I'm I'm agreeing with you. Like I want nicer Delphine, but I I do want her to not be used so much. So if that right if that combination can happen,
0: yay! The weight of that combination. <laughs>
1: smooth
0: (laughs) (laughs) so let's talk about our clones oh man which one should we start with
1: let's start with sarah i think it's as is our way as is our way let's start with sarah just like the show does
0: (sighs) oh sarah
1: it felt like she was sitting around a lot this episode (laughs)
0: I thought it was interesting that she did sort of get drawn into Delphine's machinations in this episode. Because usually Sarah's the one coming up with the elaborate plans. Yeah. You know, I'm going to pose as this person today. (laughs) And Delphine's like, I need you to do this. Yeah. But I I did like, I actually kind of liked that Sarah took a while to consider it. Which is sort of an un-Sarah-like thing to do. (laughs) Yeah. But of course, as soon as Felix told her not to do
1: something... She had to do the thing. Exactly.
0: <laughs> also, as is Sarah's way. And
1: Delphine did it later in another scene, and that made me <laughs> that made me smile.
0: Poor Felix. Maybe, May- maybe Sarah and Delphine can bond over that. <laughs> <laughs> For not listening to Felix. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, I don't listen to him either. <laughs>
1: but but sarah you know she had a couple of scenes i like that they went back to the place where they did the funeral and they referenced Mm -hmm. that that was the place they did the funeral which was what i thought when i saw that establishing shot, shot i thought that looks like the place where they had sarah's fake funeral and it was and they were chilling in chairs and drinking beverages kind of echoing the dream sequence at the beginning of the episode a little bit and and they did that twice. Like they had two scenes where it was just like her and Felix sitting by the river Down hanging time. out. Day time. Which what is that? Yeah. But you're right. Like and which is what I think I I was trying to allude to in the fact that it wasn't really a clone-driven story at least for the first half. It was very much a Delphine-driven story, which is unusual. It's usually one of the clones has an issue and that's what propels the main plot, but this week it was really Delphine
0: which is interesting. And they had mentioned, I think Graham had mentioned in a previous interview that Delphine's sort of like the character to watch this season. That's not quite how he phrased it, but...
1: Which makes of. me excited.
0: <laughs> and nervous, probably, right? Cause, yes. Because mean.
1: Yeah, mean. She got mean. It's okay. I'm okay. I'm okay.
0: Well, that's how you get screen time on TV now.
1: Yeah, you gotta be mean. But Sarah, you know, she gets she gets pulled in. She She has to pretend to be... Another clone, which we always, we always love. Though this time it was, Sarah's part was less enjoyable. It was really Allison pretending to be Sarah. I think that was the enjoyable personation. And reprising her role as Sarah Manning. (laughs) Allison (laughs) (laughs) Hendricks. But, um, but Sarah, you know, when she takes on Rachel,
0: uh, like, uh, that just, it just ended up in some disturbing places. It did. I wasn't sure how that was gonna go. Yeah. I was, I was afraid it was gonna go further and a little grosser than it did. That's right. I thought it was gonna <laughs> I thought it was gonna get way in I thought it was gonna turn into a sex scene. Yeah, and then I mean, I was that's like, what I Ooh. that's what I mean.
1: But then it's like, no, it's almost a murdering scene, which is worse. <laughs> is it <laughs> no 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 that's my question, like which is worse? That was oh, that was oh, what i was okay. thinking in my head, like, uh maybe I prefer the sex scene? I don't know. But I can't tell anymore. What is this show doing to me? <laughs> I, yeah. But but with with Sarah, you know, I was re- I was reminded when we did our revisiting episodes when we watched I believe it's at the beginning of of episode 204 either 203 or 204 where sarah like kind of stares down the cop car that's coming at her and i was asking like will we see sarah get to that level of desperation where she might kill someone it's 204 beginning of 204, 204 that's what i thought yay stephanie <laughs> like i was asking that question and i think we saw it again we see him bring up Kira and and make some pretty direct references.
0: As soon as he mentioned Kira, I'm like, oh, that dude's toast. That
1: dude is toast. Because while they were showing Sarah kind of waffling a bit on choking him, like... Well, because she was going to stab him first. Yeah, yeah. But that's that could have been like a little... It was just a file. So that could have been a
0: stab and then run job. See, I assumed she was going to go for like the, head or throat. okay. Okay. I don't know why, but that's totally <laughs> what I was picturing happening. But I I, do I think th- it was her grip, because she had it yeah. like this, which would have most easily... Never mind. Fair, but I don't know that <laughs> she was necessarily planning to kill
1: him, but when it came to the strangling, they, that that was easily within her grasp to have killed the guy, if not for Delphine. But which I, I was not expecting Delphine to walk in and interrupt. That was a complete... But bless you, Delphine. Yes. Thank goodness.
0: But yeah, I... I- I don't know that I thought she was necessarily going to kill him. I know she wanted to incapacitate him mm-hmm. cuz theoretically she could have like cut off his air supply right. long enough to knock him out but yeah. not kill him. Right, cuz there's unconscious consciousness before death when yes. when it comes to strangling. What? The conversations we have <laughs> because of this show. Just don't Google search this, Stephanie. <laughs> and I isol- no <laughs> <laughs> not again
1: <laughs> So, but no I had that thought too because we see her kind of her there's some indecision I think going on in her face when we see her strangling the guy and so I thought well maybe she'll just strangle him until he passes out and not kill him but I was curious how far she would take it
0: right and that seemed to go on long enough that my mind did wander a, a little bit to like nice arms Tatiana Masani. yeah yeah <laughs> So many things wrong with me. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but it was kind of nice seeing Sarah back in a full-on conning position again. It'd been a while. where, but Since we had to see her kind of read somebody, she didn't know very well. Because we she didn't really have to do much of that in season two. It was often just very briefly appearing to be another clone. Rather than trying to really embody a clone. But here we got to see her size up this guy and and try to figure out how to react to him in ways that would be Rachel y and facilitate him talking to her mm-hmm. And of course
0: it got it got Trixie as things do with Rachel as apparently. things do with Rachel? But yeah, I kept trying to decide, like, did he know that wasn't Rachel? Or was he just trying to figure think he it out? Did. I don't think he did. But it's a good question. Because it seemed like he was leaning towards, I don't think this is Rachel, until she, you know, put her foot on him.
1: Yes. That's a nice way to phrase it.
0: <laughs> that's what I was going for. <laughs> you know what I mean.
1: I know what you mean. But Because there was also that shot of the back of her neck in the elevator. right? Which I think when we were watching, somebody, maybe it was your dad, it, said, oh.
0: It was my dad was like, "Oh, oh
1: <laughs> Yeah, like, oh <laughs> Something like that. And because. I think maybe he was thinking of the scar on Beth's – well, that's – you know, Beth had a scar on her on her neck, and I and maybe that's where his head went. Like, maybe he noticed that she didn't have some sort of birthmark or marking or something. See, I thought it was
0: that he could see her dark hair pulled back underneath oh. the wig, is what I thought it was. Mm, I didn't notice that, but it's possible. But you notice – and somebody pointed this out to us in an email or something um, – Sarah now has a scar right where behind- Beth would have had – her scar, similar, yeah. Because of Daniel because last of season. Daniel, stupid Daniel. Daniel, he got what was coming to him.
1: <laughs> deserved
0: it. Totally deserved it.
1: <laughs> but yeah, I really enjoyed seeing seeing Sarah have to play that. Like those were some really compelling scenes. Seeing how she played off of Ferdinand and and how she approached him.
0: Right, and it was one of those things. It was interesting when Delphine was there, but it was sort of more interesting when it was just the two of them, because she didn't have anybody to sort of run interference right. or to glance to for a help me look. Yeah, which I I thought was kind of cute in the scene with Allison. As horrifying as that scene was, I liked that Allison kept like looking to
1: Delphine. Sarah and Delphine, Delphine for like, what do I do confirmation. <laughs> like,
0: like I'm nodding and shaking my head. Yes, yeah. those who are. Not in the room with me. Yes, for those who are <laughs> listening to a podcast, which we make most weeks, Chris. <laughs> yes, but now I know to comment on what uh, what motions I am doing. <laughs> <laughs> Pro- I'm better. I'm Pro- better.
1: <laughs> progress. But I was impressed with Sarah's Rachel. She did a good job. Posture aside, I thought she, she did, did a pretty good Rachel. She did. She did. I think the accent was, you know... It was better than Rachel did when she tried to do
0: Sarah's accent, though. Yes. Rachel's Agreed. accent was as Sarah was very shaky. But kudos to Tatiana Misnani for mm-hmm. doing that. Layers. Layers.
1: So many layers. Yeah, I remember when we saw her walking in as Rachel the first time. We were, like, we commented on the fact that, oh, still got that Rachel swagger in the w- Sarah. Sarah swagger yeah. in the walk. She can't hide the swagger.
0: <laughs> she really can. <laughs> I also liked that they brought brought Felix in to do makeup and hair.
1: Yes. Cause why wouldn't you? Yes. There was not enough Felix in this episode. Can I say that? Not enough Felix. That's fair. Yeah. I what wanted was, more Felix.
0: What was with the vest thing he was wearing? The red fur whatever that was? Oh yeah, yeah,
1: yeah. I liked his hair. But his clothing I have to I'll have to go back and evaluate to give you my to give you my full review. <laughs> <laughs>
0: stephanie just did an adorable like nerd glasses (laughs) but not enough felix in this episode darn it is there ever enough felix in an episode sometimes i know we've had this discussion sometimes there can be adequate amounts how about that rarely rarely okay rarely
1: so i guess let's talk about
0: allison oh allison
1: i love you so much you weirdo. But we got, I was excited to see Amanda Brugel.
0: I didn't realize she was going to be in this season. I missed that. She tweeted about it earlier today. Okay. With something like, I'm so glad I can finally talk about stuff. Okay. And I, I don't remember. Somebody Somebody uh, retweeted it. I saw it on my timeline. But. Okay.
1: But yeah, Amanda Brugel playing Marcy Coates, who is Allison's potential, probably, opponent when she runs for... School board trustee.
0: See, I was going to say nemesis.
1: Nemesis.
0: (laughs) It's very serious business, Stephanie.
1: I like what they're setting up for Allison. I like the sort of like establishing shots that we got with her on the soccer field and, you know, (laughs) leading both children and her husband into the school bus.
0: <laughs> so cute.
1: See, Donnie, this is what we were talking about in some of our in our mid season episodes. Donnie, while he might be able to be a little bit more empowered, he's still clearly the beta in this episode. In this relationship, he's still clearly, you know, not quite. He's still a bit of a screw up, right? He's he's still a bit of,
0: uh, yeah. I'm still not clear on whether he quit or got fired. He I, he
1: got fired. I'm oh, that's sure. right. That's right.
0: He because he called her a, a word we don't like to say. Exactly. Yeah. Even if she is, don't I, don't call her that. <laughs> you can be
1: assertive at work and and tell somebody that their demands are or unnec- are, are you know, not appropriate. You still might get fired, but you can do that in a way that does not inv- involve calling somebody a, a name.
0: I would think so. Yeah, I think he's a little
1: bit on his his gun high, his bearing I'm body sure. high, and I'm he's making sure. poor decisions.
0: He got his groove back, and it has. It has led him astray. <laughs>
1: it has led him astray. But it was, I actually really liked that it, it was nice that when we saw Allison coming home after she had pretended to be Sarah, like, Donnie was with her and they were talking about it. And even though she totally wasn't listening to him when he said, tell Sarah I don't want you doing anything like that ever again. But it was kind of nice that she had she had Donnie to kind of talk about and, you know, he drove there with her or something. I don't know, but it was nice seeing them working as a as a duo.
0: It was. And it's nice, even if she doesn't listen to him, that it's, it's nice that he cares. Yeah. And is trying to be protective. Yeah. The Hendrixes are cute. The Hendrixes are adorable. Even if they're a little murderous. That was my worry, because
1: they were talking about Marcy Coates. I know. And how she, you know, wanted to change
0: the school districts. And She's Donnie's a problem. Like, we need to do something about it. Yes.
1: I was like, are they going to kill her? <laughs> this is a genuine fear that I have. Are they going to kill her? <laughs>
0: The Hendrixes are not normal people.
1: They are not! <laughs> I'm worried they're going to
0: kill her. I guess we'll find out. <laughs> Watch your back, Amanda Bruegel. The Hendrixes are after you. I know. Marcy Coates, not Amanda Bruegel. Amanda Bruegel, I'm sure, is perfectly safe. Yes.
1: She seems like a nice woman, so I think she is. She does. So, Miss Casima, my beloved Casima, <laughs> my broken-hearted... Was she wearing her slippers? I didn't even see. I don't know. I like when Kasima wears the slippers. I'm not sure they showed her feet, mm. even when she was sitting on the ground with Kira. I don't remember. Kira plus Auntie Kasima time. That made me happy. It
0: makes me so happy. <laughs> <laughs> I've mentioned before. I I love. I love the the scenes of really Kira and any of her and anybody. Aunts. Yeah. So cute because Kira's
1: awesome. But but I was kind of surprised, and it actually though makes s- some sense. I'm babbling. Let me get out my thought. I was kind of surprised in the scene. You can leave the, that babble stuff in. That's fine. But I was surprised in the scene where Cosima where was talking to Kira. She was saying, let me ask you a question. When you woke me up, I felt like I was high above everything. I think she was implying she thought she might have been
0: dead or dying. Out of body experience is yeah. the, the phrase that right. you're looking for, I think. Yes.
1: And then Kira maybe brought her back. And the i have been saying I don't think they're implying Kara's a white lighter, but maybe Kara is a white lighter.
0: <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Cause I did like that interaction that Cosima's sort of like, Did you did you feel that? Mm-hmm. Or something I think was sort of what she was asking Kara and mm-hmm. I mean really if anybody would have felt it, it would be Kira, right? Because she's a very intuitive child. Yes. What was that 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 conversation that she had with Kasima where she was talking about you know, Delphine helping you to use my stem cells to heal you, or whatever it was that Kira said. It's like, I can't believe that came out of. The- I mean, I can because it's Hera. But there's that moment you're just kind of like she, she's she's wh- like eight or something. I, yeah,
1: it was it was remarkable how much she understood. Yes, it was still still clearly at like a a very simple level,
0: but she understood what was going on, why they needed the bone marrow, etc. Which is either a testament to Kira's intelligence or the fact that everybody's being very open and honest and, and discussing everything with Kira. Yeah. Or a combination of the two.
1: Yeah. But I, I, I'm i wondering, though, if they will try to go that route with Kira, that she has... I I still don't really buy it, though, that they'd go some sort of magical healing powers route.
0: Do you? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think and so And I don't either. know that that's necessarily what it means either you know because i mean it could just be that you know cosima was sort of mentally drifting a bit and and the fact that kira was there and like grounded her not in a supernatural way just in like a human contact kind of way i think that's also a feasible explanation
1: yeah but as is the writer's way with kira they had her give a very ambiguous wiser than her years answer To when Cosima asks her about it. Just, you know, you needed to stay here so that Delphine can cure you with my stem cells. What does that mean exactly? Does that mean that you did bring her back from the dead? But I I do think that... Well, she kind of gave a little
0: shrug and then I don't know. Yeah,
1: yeah. But I do think this is clearly a jumping off point to leading into... Well, I I guess I know this, so this isn't entirely spoiler information. Should I not say it? You say it, and if it... If I think it's spoilery I will edit it out of the final episode. Okay. So we I I know even that Cassandra Solo is going to have a a guest starring role on this series this season and she's playing kind of a natural healer that's going to interact with Kasima in some way and I I'm wondering if this is maybe leading to Cassima exploring other paths of healing
0: this experience that she had at the end of of the second season that we see I have no knowledge on that, but I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah. Oh, and
1: Scott? Scott! Scott was in the first episode. I gotta say, though, that one line he had, it kind of went clank, when it, which is not an experience I often have on Orphan Black. But he says something about what with all of the caster clones and lesbian drama, I don't want to work on the super secret shit anymore. Mm. That line, you know what I'm talking about? Mm-hmm. It was kind of a weird line. I didn't love it, but I don't hate it. It it kind of clanked for me, which is
0: unusual, but it wasn't, like, terrible, but I just thought that was kind of an odd line. That's fair. I was too distracted by his t-shirt, because did, did you not notice his t-shirt? I didn't. What was on his t-shirt? It was the Periodic Table of Elements. Nice. And I noticed it because I have one very similar to it. <laughs> <laughs> it's old. It's, I don't know, 20 years old, but... Do
1: you kind of, though, want to shake Kasima for hiding the book from
0: her sisters? I don't know. Because something we see a lot is everybody's sort of trying to keep stuff close to the vest, I think, with the intention of protecting the others. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, the plausible deniability thing. If they Mm -hmm. don't know about it, they can't give up the information or be tortured for the information, I think is sort of what they're maybe thinking. I don't know. Or, Or maybe she doesn't want to give them false hope before she... Knows anything. I don't know. I don't know. I never know how to feel about these things because you never know which way the show is going to go. <laughs> there's a non-answer if I've ever I heard one.
1: Because we've talked before about how we get frustrated with how many television shows rely on characters not telling each other things mm-hmm. to create drama. And so, I don't know, do you do you get frustrated with that here? Or do you feel like there's enough about the
0: situation that you can understand why they wouldn't tell I kind clones. of do feel like it's justified enough that it doesn't upset me as it often does on other shows and other situations.
1: Okay, that's fair. Though I do wonder, because there was that shot of her putting the book in next to the the other book, so it, that kind of makes me think that somewhere down the road, either somebody's going to stumble upon it, or... They, you know, Cosima's is going to be like incapacitated and we're going to hope somebody finds the book. I don't know. That shot seemed very deliberate to be setting up something significant later on to me. We'll see. But I could be overthinking it.
0: <laughs> it could be. You, again, Orphan Black, you never know. You never know. I think that's part of it, too. You know, just that even if she did tell one of the sisters, really, what are they going to do with that information? They they can't really use it. You know what I mean? In terms of why I'm not terribly bothered by her keeping it secret from Sarah and Allison. I mean, your point is totally valid that, you know, what if something happens to Cosima and something happens to the book and, you know, nobody knows. Right, But I guess at least Scott knows. That's what I'm, And saw where she put the book. Scott knows, Kira knows. I think that's, it's not insufficient to me, in my mind. But we'll see. (laughs) We'll see.
1: There wasn't enough Cosima. There also wasn't enough Allison. And well, not enough Felix. There was a sufficient <laughs> amount of Sarah, but there could have been more Sarah. <laughs> there was definitely not enough Helena.
0: Oh, Helena. What are they doing to her? I don't know, but I, I'm upset about it. Uh, uh,
1: like, stress test? Like, mental ability to withhold under... like. like
0: yeah, because they, they said doing? she's been in
1: that box 48, for 48 hours.
0: hours. 48 hours. That's just cruel. Is this... Not that being in a box under any other conditions is not cruel, but... I'm sorry, go ahead.
1: I was going to say, clearly she is being held as part of Project Caster, because it was one of the... Well, I shouldn't say clearly, but most likely she's being held as part of Project Caster, because it was one of the Caster clones who opened the box and let her out. And... Is this a clue to what Caster is doing? Is this a clue to their motivations? Because we had speculated that it, the cloning process might have been an effort to create some super soldier of some kind. So if this is the type of test that they're running on or type of things they're putting Helena through, are they trying to, you know, figure out sort of the, the, the mental toughness of the, the Lita
0: clones? Like, I, I don't know. Well, and, the other big bit of information that we haven't talked about yet that they revealed in this episode, the caster clones are actually trying to, like, essentially kidnap Lita clones because we found out about Crystal at the beginning of the episode too. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's right. They revealed another Lita clone.
1: Another Lita clone. I doubt we see her. we'll see her again. I'm, I'm thinking probably it was just probably not. But used for that. But she knows? might. We might. She might surface. Crystal. It was weird seeing two clones make out. Did you have that thought too? A little bit, yeah I, was like, yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I am uncomfortable now, <laughs> but uh, yeah, all under under it, it was a ruse It was a ruse to kidnap Crystal and uh I guess that's what they were going to do to her too is what they're doing to Helena now, maybe, but it seemed like they
1: were those guys were a wall from Project Caster. Did you not get that impression? No. Okay. So you feel like they're working for Project Caster? I think so. Okay. For some reason, and I I can't point to any specific bit of dialogue, because I've only seen the episode once, but I kind of got the impression that they had gone rogue, but I could be completely wrong. I could have just been an assumption that I made.
0: Well, they weren't in, like, uniform or anything.
1: Yes, there's that. (laughs) I don't know. And attacking civilians like Mrs. S,
0: so mad that dude's so toast. So mad,
1: so mad. She was so. Did you see her face?
0: I did. It was she deeply looked, upsetting. Like, that was the first. She just looked so small. Well, and the, the thing defeated. that defeated w- the thing that really got me was towards the end of that scene where Sarah was leaving, and Mrs. S called out Sarah, and like the most sincere we've ever heard Mrs. S. I think, mm-hmm. or at least when she's not talking to Kira. It was heartbreaking. It was heartbreaking. I, yeah, I'm... Mm. But we topic drifted because we were talking about Helena.
1: I know. <laughs> I'm sorry. We it, topic drifted a lot. But, oh, well, let's let's conclude with Mrs. S. Like, I, that was, it, that little subplot, heartbreaking to see. It, I was glad to see Mrs. S, like, put up something of a fight, though not surprised that she got out, overpowered. I mean, she's, she's older than that guy, and that guy's, you know, clearly got some... Well, he's a military dude. Training, so. exactly. But, I, I, you know, I liked that she put up a fight, because she's an international badass. And that
0: she knew that something was wrong. Yes. And so she went straight to grab a sharp object.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So I, I really appreciated that. Heartbreaking, seeing Sarah turn her back on her. But I gotta say, like, props to Mrs. S for fessing up. Mm-hmm. You know, that's that's something new for her, too. She's usually l- way more secretive.
0: Of course, she did preface it with, you're going to find this out sooner or later. <laughs> so it- I think Mrs. S realized it was in her best interest, to just
1: be honest. Yeah. So I'm
0: curious to see how and if
1: that relationship might mend. God, I hope so. Yeah.
0: It's too upsetting to me. Yeah. But we got... That dude kicked her when she was down. I know. I just want to punch that dude in the face now. Yeah. So no mark in this episode, but we
1: did did see three caster clones, uh, none of which were named. I don't believe. we got mustache, scarface, military, but they're they're up to something. they clearly had a lot of information about the Lita clones, so they are keeping an eye on them of nothing else and
0: So we're back to why does Caster need Lita Clones? Yeah. To run creepy experiments on them or something. Or something.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm very curious to see where they're going with this.
0: A box within a box within a, a box. box.
1: Isn't you, that what the... The scorpion said. The you mind made, scorpion. Yeah, you made it out of the first box.
0: I don't know. I don't know. Stephanie Def- <laughs> is literally scratching her head right now.
1: <laughs> so, so definitely some intrigue was introduced there. I'm kind of
0: still, eh, whatever, about the caster clones. They haven't really differentiated themselves very much for me and i'm still curious as to how much they're going to have them differentiate themselves you know what i mean just because the situation they're in is so different than the leda clones because the whole point of the leda clones is they grew up in different experiences and different parents but the caster clones it seems like we're all raised together and you know trained to be a military unit maybe but were they because we have mark who doesn't seem to know he's a clone or does he
1: <laughs> well, Graham and John said he didn't, but it's true. They could, they could be lying. They've lied before. They also said Helena died in the first this season. This is, this is what I'm saying. They've lied before. So it's possible he knows. It's true. So yeah, I don't, I don't entirely know. Cause I, I know a bunch of people, including myself, have worries about how prominently the cast or clones will become. Obviously, we still want the show to be about our leader clones, our beloved leader clones. But, you know, they, they were used, I think, in, in a moderately, a moderate amount and appropriate amounts in this episode.
0: I'm optimistic that they're going to basically just be sort of this villainous or are they force entity within the show. And Mm -hmm. I think they're going to be used that way. So significant, but not in any way overpowering the show in terms of prominence.
1: Yeah. But I think they definitely set up some intrigue in regards to that. I'm curious to see how that unfolds. I'm again worried for helena
0: like i'm ugh. constantly worried for helena
1: i know but it was so heartbreaking to see her that those first shots of her in the box where she's panicking and realizing that she's in the box like uh helena
0: i just want to give helena lots of hugs too
1: just goes from poor treatment to poor treatment like won't anybody just love helena i will <laughs> <laughs> come live with chris helena she will give you hugs and donuts. And donuts.
0: <laughs>
1: Chris feed has good, you and hug you. Chris has good snacks. I can attest to this. You'll be happy here, Helena.
0: <laughs> uh, we'll have to make jello runs more often, but yeah. <laughs> Is that weird? No. <laughs> no. And Stephanie's now thinking, like, like come live with me, huh, Kazima. <laughs> I hope you like cats, Kazima. Oh, I think Kasima likes cats. <laughs>
1: But does she love cats? I have a lot of cats. <laughs> oh, so it occurs to me, I don't remember how this thing ended. I remember seeing Kira find the bucket of the frozen embryos. Yes. Whatever that container's called. It's not, not a bu- bucket. It's not a bucket. <laughs> but what, how did that end? Did she tell anybody about it? No, she just sort of pulled it into her little... Nest? Tent area. Yeah. Okay. Okay, so the frozen embryos are still in play. We, we-
0: <laughs> I like it. I like it. I just it making me giggle.
1: People, people don't know about those yet, except for Kira. We still have Kira. Might be a white lighter in play, <laughs> <laughs> but we have solved. Delphine is not dead because that was another question with the the white light. Ooh, pretty, pretty, pretty dream. Was that Delphine might be dead? She's not dead. She's just dreamy. Unless it's not really Delphine. <laughs> oh, she is dreamy. <laughs> I was busy with my, what if it's not really Delphine? Then it took me a minute to catch up.
0: <laughs> it's really Delphine.
1: Just be nicer, Delphine. Anyway.
0: <laughs> oh, we didn't talk about Rachel yet.
1: Well, okay. Or Rachel. maybe we sort of did. Well, okay, so Rachel. We see poor Rachel in the hospital, you know, punched out eye. Oh, the eye removal. I could not, re- the
0: not the eye removal, the pencil removal from some the of, eye. Some of the eye. I couldn't, oh, God. Oh, I couldn't watch. I couldn't watch. I don't know that anybody watched it except for me. I don't, I think you were
1: the only one. I saw the pencil once it was out, but once I saw that they were pulling the pencil out, I looked away.
0: Yeah, I think the three of you looked away and I laughed at you. That's right. I laughed during the pencil removal scene because I'm awful. Yeah. But
1: they did mention the possibility of brain damage, some some
0: damage to the frontal lobe, and I think we did sort of see some of that when she was talking to Delphine since Delphine was trying to get her to communicate more clearly and she seemed to have trouble doing that. But I, it could have been it could have been the um anesthesia or something. There yeah. are, there are several possibilities there, but. but
1: I was wondering when Delphine was pressing on her eye, was it because she thought Rachel was faking? Not being able to speak very well, or was that an intended to...
0: I don't know. Yeah. I don't know enough about medical stuff to to say one way or the other. Okay. Or, or if she was trying to, like, adjust some uh, nerves or something. I don't know. Okay. I have no Because I wasn't idea. sure
1: if that was a something she knew because of being a doctorate type that might cause her, like, if pain would cause her to maybe speak more clearly or if she thought maybe Rachel might try to fake what was happening to her for some devious purpose and she wanted to get the truth out of her like i just wasn't sure what what exactly
0: was was going on there if there are any neurologists listening yeah help let us know yeah chime in with your thoughts but it would be
1: it would be sad i i would be sad if Rachel had had permanent brain damage that that incapacitated her. I could see the show maybe going there though. So we'll see. I honestly just can't tell what the show anymore. Mm. So Jordan Gavaros, Jordan Gavaros bumped up to number 2 slots in the opening credits, Woo-hoo. which we are
0: happy about. No offense to Dylan Bruce. No, but let's be honest. Jordan Gavaros is the second lead on the show after Tatiana Maslany. Yes. So, second lead actor.
1: Yes, exactly. <laughs>
0: Yeah, <laughs> rather than characters, yes, cause... it gets it complicated.
1: But <laughs> that made us happy. Like I, I, feel like probably what what happened before is Dylan Bruce was a more experienced actor than Jordan Gavaris, so you know he got higher billing. But really, Jordan Gavaris, he's the second lead in the show. We are happy to see him bumped up to second spot on that roster. We've got then we had Dylan Bruce, then we had Evelyn Brochu, yay! Then we had Ari Millen and who was next to Ari? Christian Brune. Christian Brune. So Donnie. He got bumped up into the into the main credits, and then Maria Doyle Kennedy. So no Kevin Hinchard in our main credit sequence
0: right now, or for this season. Yeah. I don't know what that means. It's this- I, I think we're going to see art again this season. I think so, too. But yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's less frequently, maybe. Yeah. Definitely suggests we're not going to see as much of
1: art as we did in previous seasons.
0: Just the kind in Felix's loft. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Oh, I did like that. I'm going to go ahead and I, this was about a previous episode. We did an episode called Felix and art. And we got this really funny email from a listener who had just started listening and, and saw the title and thought we were going to talk, be talking about Felix and art work and, <laughs> and was like, Oh, they meant art bell. <laughs> yep. So we should maybe talk about Felix and his art at some point. But that was not that episode.
0: <laughs> it was Peg. Peg did, like, pitch an episode about Felix yes. and art, basically, in, in said email. Yes. Which would be a good episode. But I think maybe after another season or two of material to work with, that mm. might be something we do.
1: But thank you, Peg, for your email. It made us both giggle. In, like, a good way. Not we Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it we was a funny laugh- email. We were laughing with her. We were laughing with her. Yes. Not at you. With you.
2: Welcome to Dyad. Enjoy your oophorectomy.
0: And that was a voice message that we got from our friend Sally. Or was it? Maybe it was from Sarah. I don't know. And you too can leave us a voicemail with your impressions of
1: characters from the show, or even better, (laughs) thoughts about the episode. I mean, thank you, Sally, for the impression. I appreciate it. But we love to get voice messages to include in these feedback sections. We got a lot of feedback, and most of it was written, so you're going to have to listen to us read a lot. So... We love it when we can include your voices in the show.
0: Or your voices, of other people's voices. No, I don't know.
1: <laughs> you can you can send us a voice message by clicking on the send voicemail tab on the right-hand side of our website. You can also call our listener voicemail line and leave a message at 972-514- seven two two three and i should mention we did get a voicemail from someone where it was a very quiet first couple of sentences and then about two minutes of silence so we're not including it in this episode so if you called and you left a message and you thought hey why didn't they play my message it's because something happened and most of it was silent so but please
0: call back next week with your thoughts we'd love to include you and we got kind of a lot of feedback this week for some reason (laughs) people were hungry chris And we got an email from Carl. Carl says, I was a huge fan of season one of Orphan Black, and even though I love all of Tatiana's performances, I spent most of season two confused and unengaged. My hopes are high for season three, but I honestly don't even know who all the parties are involved. I know that is part of the mystery, but it makes it hard to follow. I think they may realize this and are going to simplify who the major players are. Is that a problem for you when you are watching, or do you enjoy the conspiracy aspect of the show?
1: Why well, I do enjoy the conspiracy element of
0: the show. How about you, Chris? I love it. But I mean, you you know me and like my history of shows that I've been obsessed with. It's like X-Files and Alias and Lost for a while, you know, big conspiracy type stuff with lots and lots of players is is not anything new for me. I enjoy it.
1: So yeah, I, I enjoy it too. But I, I I will say I am getting a little worried that they've got a lot of balls in the air because we've got topside now added on to dyad and i don't entirely understand why they've introduced topside so much and like for example you know ferdinand the cleaner i believe in this episode was an agent of topside and i Mm -hmm. don't quite understand the purpose of bringing him into the show as yet maybe he'll come back as a threat later but i kind of feel like why are you bringing in this other group now i don't quite get it i'm willing to let it play out. But I I can share Carl's concern that it might be getting a little too confusing because we got the Caster Project people as well being brought in this season.
0: I I will say this much. There are certain shows that have just too many players where I just, I get pretty lost. Game of Thrones is kind of like that. There are just too many characters and too many factions. And things get very confusing. And I'm not into that. (laughs) I'm willing to let this play out and see where things go this season. Cuz I enjoyed season 2 personally. Like I really like season 2. Yeah, me too. But we'll see. We'll see, I guess.
1: So let's move it into our Delphine section. We had there were a lot of del, <laughs> del feelings this week, a lot of del feelings. I understand. I understand. I think probably we got a lot of del feelings partially because
0: I had strong del feelings in our short episode. Again, Stephanie literally yelled at the TV <laughs> in the middle of the episode. And, and keep in mind, Stephanie is one of those people who will shut you <laughs> if you talk during an episode. It's true. I was not. But, I mean, just I, I want people to understand how significant it is that you yelled during the episode at the TV.
1: <laughs> so on to our first Del Feeler. <laughs> <laughs> We got an email from. She told us we can call her Fem. I would, I would guess though that your, was, your name was pronounced a uh, Fomka because Fomka Janssen pronounces it that way, and it's spelled similar to your name. But let me know if I'm completely wrong. <laughs> And and she said that she enjoyed seeing the toughening up of Delphine's character. And her comment was, Delphine is a character that has always been shady and does take things very personally, making her choices even more ruthless. The scene with Rachel where she pushes her eye socket messes with my head. But considering that Rachel smashed Kira's stem cells and basically leaves Cosima to die, it's understandable she reacts very brutally.
0: I was reading through a lot of these comments and thinking back to season two and that exchange that Delphine has with Cosima, where Delphine basically says, you know, I'll do anything to make sure you get better or something like that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there's a lot of this involved in the exchange with Rachel, I feel like. So it's the whole thing with, with the bone marrow and not cool, Rachel. And then Ashley also said that she really enjoyed the change in Delphine. And she says the Sarah becoming Rachel was probably the best montage this series has done yet. It was wonderfully edited and totally captivating. I had to rewatch it several times over because I was just that impressed by it.
1: And I wanted to mention that Melanie Killingsworth, who was a guest contributor on our episode about the farming Proletheans not that long ago, I I talked with her about Orphan Black and TV and other things because she's smart and she she looks at things differently than I do because she's a director. And she pointed out that you know we have Delphine included in that montage of Sarah becoming Rachel. And Mel pointed out to me that there is a shot of both Sarah and Delphine in a mirror. And she thinks this image that they created is a nod to the fact that Delphine is pretending to be Rachel as much as Sarah is. And I and I I didn't notice the mirror shot. Though that that's a totally orphan blacky thing to do. You know how they love reflections. Uh, but they really I, I, do. I do believe that we are seeing Delphine try to act like she thinks she needs to act. I do absolutely believe that she, we're seeing that she has this side to her, but this is not her default behavior, if that makes sense. Like she's putting on and trying to be tough because she feels she needs to in this situation.
0: And I think we do see that in the episode. I, I guess that's sort of my, my big thing that makes me feel, I don't know, comforted, I guess, is that, I, I feel like the episode really tries to convey that Delphine does care and that any of the other stuff going on is sort of just because she feels like she has to. Because we know, as we talked about in this episode, we know that Dyad tends to go to extreme measures. So,
1: Well, and, and to point to also a little dialogue nod to that is when Delphine's about to torture Rachel by pressing on her injured eye and she says to her, I am you now. Do you understand that or something to that effect? I think that that's what the show is, is going for. And what we're seeing in Delphine right now is that she is feeling like she needs to be this person in order to protect Kasima, protect the other clones. Right. And then we got an email from Edith, who also enjoyed seeing what she called badass Delphine. And she commented, I'm worried how Rachel will take revenge on her for taking her place, torturing her and helping the
0: clones. I guess we'll see. Anxiety. Anxiety is what we're all going to have for probably the remainder of the season.
1: But that's actually a good lead in to the voicemail that we got from Brenna, who had some thoughts about both Delphine, but some interesting thoughts about Rachel, too.
2: Hi, Chris and Stephanie. My name is Brenna, and I live in Tulsa, Oklahoma. My friend Lindsay introduced me to your show, uh, to your show, and to Orphan Black, as a matter of fact. So, well, uh, just some of my first thoughts when I was watching the first episode of season three uh, with my husband and my friend Lindsay. Oh, when uh, Delphine was visiting Rachel and she had the big patch on her eye and Delphine was mashing into it, the first thing my husband said, just deadpan, and he's not much of a joker, is, well, the puppy's gone. But also, I was thinking, um, I think it was in one of your your final podcasts about season two, talking about how Rachel really couldn't come back from the bad behavior and how she'd been um, mistreating all the, the sister clones, the ones that we kind of think of as being friends with each other. How she couldn't really come back from that. And from what I've seen watching TV for the past couple of decades and just reading and stuff, frontal lobe injuries I've read about and heard about can cause a uh, dramatic personality shift. So I'm thinking that that might be one way that they can maybe bring her around and maybe have uh, somebody else be kind of antagonizing the clones, maybe even Delphine.
0: And I, too, watch a lot of of TV and so, yes, I also had the thought that maybe we'll see some sort of personality shift in Rachel. Did you have that thought, too?
1: You know, I didn't, but it, it makes sense. I was more not sure if Rachel actually had a brain injury. Again, like like we mentioned in our main discussion, I was not entirely sure what that scene was attempting to communicate to the audience about Rachel's brain injury when Delphine was pressing on her eye. If if she does, in fact, have, have a front, frontal lobe injury, I think that could be a really interesting way for the show to rehabilitate her character in a way, bring her from the antagonist side to a protagonist side.
0: And then Sam, like Stephanie, felt there was some Delphine whiplash.
1: Because that's my big thing here. Like I, and hopefully I articulated it better earlier in our conversation, that I do like the idea of exploring this darker, more desperate side of Delphine. I just feel like it occurred too quickly. Too much, too soon. Yeah. Because Sam also points out where was Marion Bowles. And I think, like you mentioned, Chris, I think the episode could have been really well served by a scene where we see Marion talking to Delphine and kind of handing over the reins in a way.
0: Mm-hmm. Of course, it's one of those things then you start wondering, like, well, was was Michelle Forbes not available? Exactly, Because uh, probably. That's probably what it was.
1: Yeah. It's, it's probably a matter of actor availability or we have X amount of dollars for guest stars and... And we would use her better in a later episode or something like that. You know, if, if we had her in this mm-hmm. this episode, we'd only use her for one scene. So I, I can understand that. But it's still, it was just so sudden for me. And I get it. Orphan Black only has 10 episodes per season. They have to cram a lot of story into a very short amount of time. And this is not the first time that I felt like they've pivoted on a plot point a little too quickly. So and in general, I think the writing on the show is quite,
0: quite good. But I do feel like they rush plot points at times that's fair and then sam also writes i like how once kasima is working on a cure she isn't coughing anymore i just hope they don't drag her out her work on the cure all season like her illness last season either that or have her die scratch that allison can die instead a clone death would put me more on edge (laughs) strongly disagree sam sam
1: is like out for blood here like kill a clone any clone
0: (laughs) Well, not any clone, because scratch that. <laughs> <laughs> Stephanie and I were on an Orphan Black panel at Dragon Con last year. And somebody in the audience mentioned how they should kill off a clone. Or, or I guess there was that article last summer, too, about how they should kill off a clone. And you made a really excellent point, I thought, that, you know, the, the stakes of Orphan Black are not about life and death. It's about self-determination. Right? Isn't that what you said?
1: Yeah, exactly. Because that's the whole crux of this series is these women trying to have autonomy and trying to take control of their lives, which isn't really about staying alive so much as determining what their next move is and not having anybody else interfering.
0: And I've just I've gotten to a point personally where I feel like character death is just lazy writing, which I don't know, maybe is unfair, but... I feel like it's it's kind of a crutch that a lot of shows are kind of like, oh, we're a few seasons in, we better kill somebody off to raise the stakes. And I just I always roll my eyes whenever I hear that, quite frankly.
1: I also though I pulled out this this quote from Sam's email because he points out the fact that Kasima seems a lot better in this episode. And and I forgot to bring that up when we were talking earlier, the fact that we see Cosima, you know, she doesn't have her cannula in and she they mentioned that. Her fever's gone down and her blood pressure's better, and I'm—I guess they're hinting that maybe this this encounter with Kira might be responsible for this because they don't give any other explanation. Did you have thoughts on that, Chris?
0: You know, I'm not really sure, obviously, but it makes sense to me that it's part of—I mean, Kasima received treatment. Are you talking about when
1: they the when they went into her uterus and they injected? the
0: yes the stem cell implantation okay from the baby teeth yes okay the exfoliated exfoliated dental pulp of baby teeth i mean i don't know that that's what it is but there is that as a potential explanation it could be one of those things where sometimes stuff gets a little bit worse before it gets a little bit better you know right i don't know okay that's a good point or it could be a combination of things you know what are your thoughts
1: I thought they were maybe hinting that Kasima, at least, was attributing it to what happened between her and Kira. I thought they were maybe leaning that way. But you raise a good point that we did see her receive treatment, and I have no idea how long that type of treatment takes to actually be effective. So they could totally attribute her improved health to the treatment that she
0: received from the baby teeth. But I think maybe the not knowing is the point that they're getting at. Yeah, I agree.
1: I agree. We also received an email from Annette, a lot of which was in capital letters.
0: <laughs> this show does that to people. I don't know if you've noticed. I know,
1: I know. It does it to me too, Annette. I understand. But I'm not going to yell it at you.
0: We'll just tell you that it's in all caps. Most then, of this uh, is in all
1: caps that I'm about to read. Well, actually, everything that I'm about to read is in all caps. <laughs> the scene when Sarah and Felix found Mrs. S broke my heart too. On rewatch, I use closed captioning. Sarah called Mrs. S mum. That touched me. And then Sarah ended up yelling at her.
0: That scene was so hard it was. to watch.
1: Did you catch that she called her mom? I totally missed that. I did. Okay. See, I didn't even notice. I have still haven't had a chance to rewatch the episode. That's just going to make it even harder r- watching it again.
0: Yeah, it was, it was like, oh. Well, because they get there and Mrs. S is all beat up. And she calls her mom then. Mm. And then Mrs. S tells her what she did. And then there's yelling. Right. (sighs) Exactly. They know what they're doing.
1: (laughs) Annette also said, I have never been able to pick a favorite clone before, but now I have. Sarah is my favorite clone. I'll say that (laughs) with emphasis. (laughs) She has come so far from being so selfish to loving her sisters, so insistent that Delphine contact Cosima and her determination to find my Helena. And I, I wanted to mention that because I forgot to mention that all of the sister talk in this episode, especially at the beginning. It was just all about, you know, my sisters and making decisions with my sisters and I needing to be with my sisters. And it gave me warm fuzzies. Me too.
0: But you know, after, after the, they danced together at the end of last season, it would feel wrong if they didn't do that. So I'm glad they did.
1: I also wanted to point out that when Ferdinand is talking, is like groping, invasively on Allison slash Sarah, she calls the other clones her sisters. And he makes some comment. I think he says it to Delphine or maybe to Rachel or who he thinks is Rachel. He says something to the effect of, do you think they'll still be calling each other that when there are so many of them? And I thought that was a really interesting line. Mm-hmm. Cause I think while we've assumed that Dyad and by extension topside now would like to be able to make more clones. That's the first real direct reference that we've had to what that reality might look like or what they envision that reality being.
0: But is that what he means? Or does he mean when they discover where, you know, the rest of the ones that we've already made? Hmm, That's a good point. Because we already found out about Crystal, who we didn't know about before, so. But I think he knew that they were
1: self-aware, though, because that was the whole reason why he came to, to investigate, wasn't it?
0: No, I know, but I mean, they're self-aware, but they don't know how many of them there are. Okay, that's fair. They exist as sisters as, like, a group of four.
1: Okay, that's fair, too. So I'm
0: saying, because I don't think they really necessarily consider Rachel one of them, do they?
1: No, I don't think so. Rachel's used the sister word toward them, but I, I don't believe any of them have ever referred to her as such.
0: You know, if it turns out that there are 20 more of them that they didn't know about, is that what he means? I don't know. That's a good point. That's a good point. Because, you know, the, the clone club, as we say, they're they're pretty bonded at this point. They've been through stuff together, and so they've formed their own little family. So it makes sense that they're calling each other sister. Mm-hmm. And then Nikki says, The breakup scene between Cosima and Delphine was so heartbreaking. I am a huge Kofine fan, so this really hurt. I think that Delphine believes that she needs to cover herself with Topside and that she needs to sacrifice her own feelings in order to perform in this position of power. This scene really shows how much love there is between Cassima and Delphine, and we see after Cassima leaves how much this hurts Delphine. I hope that they can find their way back to each other this season. I would be surprised if they don't, but
1: I think who knows? they will I think they will yeah, i again, I feel like this this side of Delphine that we're seeing is is very much in reaction to a particular situation. she feels like this is. This is how she needs to behave right now. I think Chris made a good point about the fact that she feels like she's protecting Delphine. Or excuse me, Delphine's protecting Christina by breaking up with her. So I, I bet her curls and her big heart will be back by the end of the season.
0: And then Stephanie will squeal at the TV puppy. <laughs> I'm guessing. I'm guessing. Only if she is puppy-like. Maybe she's not a
1: puppy anymore. That would make me sad. But maybe maybe she's moved past that.
0: What would she be if she's not a a puppy
1: a doggy <laughs> <laughs> we also got an email from aaron whose whose comment begins pretty much the same way that, that nikki's did the kofi breakup scene was just heartbreaking i can understand delphine's reasoning as she said in order to keep her promise she can't kes- favor kasima or else she'd be like siobhan trading one for another though i still can't fault siobhan completely for that however i do think like siobhan she still will favor kasima at the end of the day like siobhan favors kira and I think that's fair. I wouldn't be surprised if that became a plot point down the road where she just can't keep it big picture anymore and she does something to benefit Kasima specifically.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't, wouldn't put it past Dyad or somebody to do that. Make her choose, I mean. Yeah.
1: But that reminded me of the moment when... It's it's before she actually starts breaking up with Kasima. It's like when she first sees Kasima at Felix's apartment, and Delphine starts like checking Kasima's vitals. She makes a comment like, "Oh, you're not wearing a cannula. How's your temperature?" And you know, starts like putting her wrist on her forehead, and Kasima tells her, "You know, like don't don't mother me," and kind of pushes her hands away. And I I thought that was a significant moment, given how much their relationship was intertwined with her illness last season.
2: Hmm.
0: That's an excellent point.
1: Aaron also mentioned another aspect I really enjoyed was the fight sequence with Siobhan and the caster clone. I love how they treat her, meaning Siobhan, equally based on skill and they don't do ageism.
0: Poor Mrs. S.
1: I do appreciate that they, they you know, they don't shy away from throwing her into a, a fight scene, even though Maria Doyle Kennedy's what, in is she in her late forties or early fifties? Late forties. Late forties. So yeah, she and you know, she didn't win, but she didn't do that badly either. You know, it, it's not like she was just hit once and down for the count. <sighs> that dude is so toast. <laughs> oh, but I, I forgot to mention earlier when we were talking about these caster clone dudes. Was it just me? Or in the end, when, when when Pornstash comes to break out Scarface from wherever the heck he was being held, I think he was still at Marion Bowles' house, they are reunited did you think they were gonna kiss? Did you get that vibe that they might kiss? <laughs> uh, not really. See, I, there was some homoeroticism there for me, and I know I'm not the only one. I've had a conversation with me about that.
0: <laughs> or maybe, maybe I should put it this way: like it looked like it was a possibility, but I didn't think it was gonna happen. <laughs> but do you think they might have been going for that suggestion? Or am I out in left field? Just me? I don't know. Okay. I can't tell anymore, Stephanie. Okay. This sh- this show, who knows? <laughs> and then, then Marie, who is is Morgendorfer on Twitter, tweeted us to basically she appreciated our our reaction, although it's really Stephanie's reaction <laughs> to quote the butt. <laughs>
1: And I just wanted to clarify, (laughs) it was nothing against Ari Millen's bum. I was just taken by surprise by how mobile, active, dynamic, it was moving around a lot. (laughs) It surprised me. I was also a little worried we might see something else besides bum. I don't know. I just, I panicked.
0: (laughs) It is not showtime. (laughs) Or Skinamax. <laughs> it is BBC America. <laughs> I'm pretty sure they can't show more.
1: Well, okay. That's fair. I was <laughs> and to put it in the in the words of, of Sam Evans, I was worried they might show a little nuttage where <laughs> was my where my brain
0: was going. Did you just make a glee reference? I did. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Okay. Uh, well, I've talked to Marie about Glee on Twitter sometimes, so
0: oh, it, my head was just okay. in that space. Okay. <laughs> I gotcha. And uh, I, I wanted to mention a couple of things that I realized, like ten minutes after Stephanie left. It's like, oh, I, I meant to mention that, or or new information that we didn't have when we recorded, namely the Scorpion, who I'm going to mispronounce this. I'm sorry, people who know Russian and and Ukrainian. Pupok, I guess? P-U-P-O-K? Because that's the name of the scorpion, by the way. Okay. It's apparently that that translates to belly button. Aw. Is played by Tatiana Maslany.
1: And I read that she did not only the voice, but all of the clicks and noises that the scorpion makes as well. Because of course she did.
0: <laughs> of course she did. <laughs> and then I also wanted to mention that Tatiana Maslany, now given producer credit. which Yay! yay! Good for her. Deserves it. Deserves it. (laughs) In a good way. (laughs) Thank
1: you so much to everybody who sent in feedback. We got quite a bit of feedback, so thank you for that. (laughs) Send more voicemails, everybody. Yes, send more voicemails and voice messages, because it's tough for us to read all of this stuff. We we stumble over words. You get the polished version. You don't get all the false starts and stops, but it's hard (laughs) reading emails. (laughs) Take pity on us. Leave voicemails and voice messages. And then Stephanie laughs at me. (laughs) I don't know if Chris is going to leave it in, but she was reading an email and it started to sound all dirty in my head. And I started laughing because I'm a terrible person.
0: (laughs) Happens more often than you'd think.
1: (laughs) (laughs) But you can send us, you can still send us your feedback. We'd love to hear your thoughts about this episode. You can go and leave a comment on the show notes over at Tatiana is everyone.com slash 64. You can send us an email. if you must, <laughs> I'm kidding, to feedback at tatianaiseveryone.com. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Send us emails. You can also call and leave a message on our listener voicemail line at 972-514-7223, or you can click on the send voicemail tab on the right-hand side of our website. We are on Twitter at podcast, and we're also on Facebook. And in this episode, the sounds of my cat's collar were made by Tatiana Maslani. Thanks for listening.